grateful for the opportunity to be back at our home church tonight, and I'm grateful for our church. Thank you so much for praying for Peggy and I, and then also allowing us to represent the church. Thank you for your financial support. I love our church, and I love our pastor, Brother Gravely, Miss Nalita, and the family have been a tremendous blessing and encouragement to Peggy and I and the Rock of Ages Ministries, and we brag about our church everywhere we go. I mentioned when we joined the church that it was emphatically, I know it's the will of God, and I'm just as sure that the Lord led us to this church as I am the day that I trusted Christ as my personal Savior. And I'm glad the Lord leads us, He guides us, He directs us, and there's no regret in following the Lord. And so I'm grateful the Lord has led us here. Wonderful singing tonight. I always enjoy getting to hear our youth choir, then the young men sing. I was going to say quartet, but I'm not sure what you'd call five of them. Uh, but it's wonderful tonight to be able to hear them play all the instruments and sing, and all the young preacher men, uh, preacher boys in our church. We would ask you, if you would, to please pray for uh, two of our families at the Rock of Ages Ministries. This past week, we had uh, two of our missionary family members that went home to be of the Lord. Brother Randy Childress was a missionary in the Philippines. And at 4.30 in the morning, he passed away. And then at 11.30, later that morning, one of our missionaries' wives, Kim DeMasellis, went home to be of the Lord as well. Sister DeMasellis, they had her funeral last Saturday. And uh, the viewing for Brother Childress is this Friday. And then also on Saturday, and Peggy and I will be leaving for Walkertown, North Carolina, at the Gospel Light Baptist Church, where Pastor Bobby Robertson pastored just shy of 62 years. He himself recently went home to be of the Lord and we'll be participating in the funeral, so we'd ask you to pray for traveling safety. Then we also have our missionary candidate classes. that will start on Monday, and so if you would, please be in prayer for that tonight. If you have your Bible tonight, without further ado, let's go to the Scriptures, and I'd like to go to the book of Job tonight. I've wanted to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, but I've repeatedly had Job 23 on my heart, and so tonight we'll go to Job 23 and hope that I can be of help and a blessing to you. Again, we're praying uh, for the church, even though we're not able to be here uh, very often, we are grateful for uh, the opportunity to be able to say everywhere we go oh, yeah. that we are out of Bible Baptist Church. Oh, yeah. And again, we are grateful for you. And uh, please continue to pray. We do have our national conferences coming up uh, July the 29th through August the 2nd, and that'll be at the 11th Avenue Baptist Church. I know Pastor will be saying more about that uh, a little later, but uh, we're looking forward to having our national conference back at least in this area. So please be in prayer for that. If you have your Bible tonight in Job 23, uh, let's take your scriptures. We'll stand in reverence to the reading of the Bible tonight. If you're able to stand, appreciate Brother Williams. It's been a tremendous blessing over the years, and we're grateful for them. Tonight in Job chapter 23, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered from ever from my bondage. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. 
My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with me, with him. Therefore am I troubled at his presence. When I consider, I am afraid of him. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Because I was not cut off before the darkness, neither hath he covered the darkness from my face. Let's go to the word of prayer. Our fathers, we bow before the throne of grace tonight. We thank you for our church. We thank you for our pastor. I pray your blessings upon him tonight as he stands to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. May you empower him and may the Holy Spirit of God give him that divine unction that he so desires to have. Lord, I thank you for the testimony of the young man that's been saved, and I pray that'll only be the beginning of what you do in this meeting. I would ask our Father that you may soften the hearts of the people and the hearers. Lord, may you help them to seek you with a whole heart, to draw nigh to God that he may draw nigh unto them. I would ask you now that your blessings would be upon this service tonight. We thank you for our church. We thank you for those that are here tonight. And I pray that your blessings be upon them. Help thy servant to be of help to your people. Tonight I would ask if there is one here that's lost, may the Spirit of God convict them, show them their need for Christ. Help them to act upon that need even tonight. I would ask our Father that you'll encourage the discouraged. May you give us instruction from thy word tonight and give us the grace to make application for we ask it in Christ's name. And for his sake we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Job has long been one of my favorite books of the Bible. We have heard many messages preached on the book of Job over the years of our involvement in ministry, which is in uh, uh, the 41st year this year of preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ. I was saved at a young age, and immediately the Lord began to deal with me concerning ministry and often heard messages preached from the book of Job, and it has always been a book that has intrigued me. It has been a book that has sparked my interest in its context and its content and how the Lord dealt with his servant Job. Tonight we've heard many messages I know concerning uh, the book of Job, but I would like to submit to you tonight that Job chapter 23 is a summary of the life of Job. I believe you'll know what I'm saying tonight once we have taken a survey of this particular passage of Scripture. And uh, tonight I would like to condense a series of messages in just a few brief moments tonight, if I may, in a brief overview of this text. When I read the book of Job, I'm always reminded of a story of a missionary that was at the Ganges River in Asia, and he was baptizing converts. As he was baptizing converts by the river, a man walked up that was a scoffer of the gospel of Christ, who was a skeptic of the missionary and of the Lord Jesus. And as he walked up on the banks of the river, as the missionary was submerging of the converts in water baptism in obedience to the Lord's command, the scoffer looked at him and said to a missionary, where can a man find God? The missionary did not respond. He continued baptizing his converts until he had baptized the last one. He looked at the scoffer and bid him to come to him and join him in the baptismal waters of the river. 
As the man approached the missionary, the missionary took him and submerged him under the water. But rather than doing what he normally would do to his converts and bring them up after he had submerged them, he continued to leave him submerged under the water. The man began to struggle for his life, and after a while, uh, his body went a little bit limp, and so the missionary pulled him out of the water, dragged him ashore, revived him, and brought him back. And the missionary asked the young man, he said to him, he said, Sir, you asked me a question. You asked me, where could a man find God, and how could a man find the Lord? And sir, I would like to propose a question to you. When I had you submerged under the water, what was your desire in life? What would you have given everything you owned for while you were submerged under the water and I was holding you uh, underneath the waters? The man looked at him. He said, I would have given everything I own, everything I have ever possessed, and everything I ever hoped to possess. I'd give everything in this life for one breath of air. The missionary looked at him in his wisdom. He said to him, he said, young man, when you seek God with all that you have, just like you would have given everything for that one breath, when you seek God with everything in your whole heart, you'll find him. When we consider the book of Job, I consider the story of that testimony in the scoffer. Not that Job is a scoffer, but here is a man who has given God everything. We find that there are several lessons in the book of Job that we would learn. We'll find that Job, we learn, for example, that it shows the sovereignty of God. It shows God's divine hand in the life of His people. We find that God is able to silence Satan. And we find that God is able to stir the hearts of the saints. May I say to you tonight as we look at the book of Job chapter uh, 23, notice with me if you would please in the opening verses in verse number 1, Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter, my shrunk is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even unto his seat. Notice, if you would, the question or the statement that is proposed in Job 23 and verse number 3, when Job said, Oh, that I knew where I might find him. And tonight I would like to speak to you on that subject matter for just a few moments. Where can a man find God? May I submit to you tonight that we must examine the life of Job. There are many places recorded in the Bible, but in Job's life, uh, we know that there is a specific area that God chose to reveal himself. But first, let's look at the life of Job. Look, notice with me, if you would, please, in verses number 3 through 5, and I'll not take time to read it in its entirety. But notice, if you would, first, Job's dilemma. He said, oh, that I knew where I might find God. And so we find Job's dilemma is found and recorded in this passage of Scripture. You see, we find that Job has not heard from God since the opening chapter of this book. God has been silent. In fact, if you read the context of it, Job is wanting to hear from heaven and is wanting God to hear and answer his prayer. And yet we find that heaven has been silent. And may I say to you that when we are submerged in the trials and the troubles and the persecution and the challenges of life, 
What makes it more difficult for me than any other aspect of trials and sufferings and tribulations is the fact that sometimes it seems like in the very depth and in the very heart of our struggles, it seems as if heaven itself is brass and God is deaf and as if God does not hear and God chooses not to answer our prayer. And there are times that God chooses to be silent in our life. May I say to you that of the silence of God, it is causing part of the dilemma in Job's life. And may I say to you tonight, when you are in trials and when you're in troubles and tribulation and you cannot hear from heaven, press on, child of God. Press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Press on, child of God, in spite of your dilemma tonight. Secondly, we'll notice in verse number uh, 2 and verse number 6, the Bible said, Job said, even today is my complaint bitter and my stroke is heavier than my groaning. Notice, if you would, in this passage of Scripture, not only do we see in verses 3 and 5 God's long silence, which is added to the dilemma of Job's life, but here we find Job's lack of strength. For notice in verse number 2, he says, my stroke is heavier than my groaning. We find that the word stroke in this uh, passage of Scripture has two references and significance about it. Number one, it refers to the hand of God or the stroke of God upon the life of Job. And may I say to you, child of God tonight, there was an old adage and cliche that used to be um, back when I was a younger man, and many of you tonight will well remember, and uh, it was the devil made me do it. And that was a catchy phrase that swept not only through secular society, but it swept through Christianity in America and literally around the world. But may I say to you tonight that not everything that happens in our life is at the hand of Satan. The devil does not make us do everything that we do. But I will say this tonight, for the child of God, there is nothing that enters into his heart or into his life, I should say, without the divine providential approval of Almighty God. And so we find in the context of our scripture in the book of Job that there was a time when the sons of men came before God and we find that Satan also came in the midst and he considered God's servant Job and we know that God allowed Job to bring or Satan to bring certain things into the life of Job and may I say to you we learn by that tonight that not a single thing can happen in the life of the child of God unless God gives his divine approval. And so we find that in the length and the longevity from chapter 1 and chapter 2 through the middle of the book of Job in chapter 23 that there is a loss of strength, a lack of strength and so it speaks of the hand of God, the stroke of God upon the life of Job but also it speaks of the physical stroke and the impairment and the weight of the burden on the physical body. There's something about the longevity of trials that uh, have a physical impact. They wear on us mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and many times even financially. And so we find that there is a lack of strength. 
Job literally is making reference to the fact that he has suffered this trial and it has lasted so long that the stroke is heavy upon him and it refers to the fact that his, his back is bent, his shoulders are slumped, his head is bowed and it is having an impact upon Job's physical appearance and his physical life. And may I say to you tonight, my friend, we must be careful under the longevity of our trials lest it pays, uh, we pay a tremendous impact with our physical life and our physical health. And so he speaks of his languishing help. And then notice in verse number uh, five, four and five, Job says this concerning his dilemma. He said, I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Notice, if you would, Job's language in speech. When I was a young preacher boy and a young student of the Bible, I never I considered Job to be that perfect one. The Bible declares in the opening chapters of this book. Job was a mature man, not sinless, uh, but he was a mature man. He was a man that had maturity about him. He was a man concerned about his family and his integrity. He was willing to pay whatever price to maintain the testimony of his integrity. In fact, in the opening books, our opening chapters of, of the book of Job, we find that as you come to the end of many of his losses and his sufferings that are recorded in the Scripture, that his wife come to him and said to him, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? And the Bible says that in all of this, Job sinned not with his lips, nor did he charge God foolishly, and he maintained his integrity. But may I say to you, that was in the opening chapters of the book of Job. Now we come to the center of the book of Job, Job chapter 23. And Job, because of the longevity of his trials, he has come to the place and he says, Oh, then I knew where I might find him. And then in our text there in verse number 4, he says, I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Job said, boy, if God would just answer me from heaven now, boy, would I fill his ears full of complaints. And where Job would not go in the opening of his trial, Job has found himself in the middle of his trial. And brethren, we must be careful because when trials first begin, there is a certain strength. But as trials stretch for the duration of our season that God has ordained them, many times men turn their back on, the, on Almighty God. Many times men, their speech becomes a languishing. Uh, many times uh, when you look at Job in chapter 2 where he said he would not sin with his lips nor for charge God foolishly and now we have come to the place in Job's life he said oh that I could find God I'd fill him with my arguments and I'd ask him what's going on. Someone has said that it's not a sin to ask God questions but it is a sin to question God. I don't believe there's a sin in asking God questions about our troubles and our trials and for his leadership and certain things. But I believe we cross that line when we begin to question God's providential working in our lives. Notice if you would with me tonight, please, secondly, not only Job's dilemma, Job's despair. 
Notice, if you would please, uh, we find, and I'd go back to the uh, book of Job chapter 2, and I'll not turn there for the sake of time, but in uh, chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, we find three of Job's friends arrive on the scene. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. They sat, and when they see Job, they are appalled, and they are taken back by his condition. In fact, his physical appearance has caused them and will cause him to judge Job and pass severe judgment upon his life. May I say to you, we better be careful about judging others that are going through the fires. Someone has said that independent fundamental Baptists are notorious for shooting and killing our wounded. And there's some truth to that, unfortunately. Job's despair. His friends come and they sat for seven days and didn't say a word. The Bible tells us in Job 2.13, the Bible says, so they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they, watch this, saw his grief was very great. Remember the heavy stroke that Job mentioned that was upon him in our text. In Job chapter 23, verses 8 and 9, uh, notice, if you would with me, please, in, in this passage of Scripture, these two verses uh, uh, paint a vivid uh, picture of the anxiety, the despair, and the depth of the sufferings of Job. Notice in our text, the Bible says, in verse number 8, Behold, I go forward, but he, referring to God, is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I, I cannot see him. I would just simply say to you tonight in Adam Clark's commentary, he makes a statement concerning uh, this passage of Scripture of Job. He said the right hand is, refers to the south that I cannot see him, for in fact the southern point of heaven is not viv viv uh, excuse me, visible from a duma where Job lived. And he goes on to speak about there were certain celestial parts of the, of the uh, celestial body that Job could not see from a duma. And may I just simply say to you that what he's referring to is the hidden places of the secret chambers. And so we find that Job, when he says in verse number 8, I'm there that behold I go forward, and he says that he is not there. Job begins to examine his future. And Job says, as I begin to look forward in my life, I cannot see in any shape, form, or fashion how God will be able to deliver me out of my circumstances and my trials and my sufferings and my heartaches. We must be careful as God's children when we get in the depths of troubles and trials and despair in looking forward and not being able to see the providential hand of God working in our lives. In 2012, uh, suicide was the number three uh, killer among teens, or age, or really not teens, but young people from about age 10 to 24. Now it is the second uh, most deadly killer among that age group. Why? Because they cannot see any help, any hope uh, for the future. And Job is in the depth of his trial and he says, as I look forward, I can't even see the hand of God anywhere in my future. And then the Bible says in verse number 8, after he said he looked forward but he was not there, he said, and backward but I cannot perceive him. 
Job had come to the place that not only could he see God in his future, he looked in the back and he began to question, was it even God in the beginning that was with him in his trials and his suffering? And Job said that when I look back in life, he began to question if God was even there in his life. And then notice, if you would please, in verse number 8, he said, I cannot perceive him, but then on the left hand where he doth work, and I, but I cannot behold him. And we find that Job refers to the place where God's worked in his life. And then he refers to the unknown part, the south. May I just say to you tonight quickly in summary, and that is that there is something about trials and suffering and troubles that we go through. There's something about the longevity of them that has an impact upon our spiritual status and our spiritual state before God. Many of God's faithful have backslid through the longevity of trials. We find Job's despair. As we begin to uh, look at uh, people today, may I just say to you that I'm glad God's on the throne. I'm glad God still hears and God still answers prayer. And the Lord knows exactly what's taking place in our life. In fact, notice thirdly with me tonight. Uh, notice in our text where the Bible says in, in verse number 10, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept, in verse number 11, and not declined. Here we find Job's determination. Yes, Job is in a dilemma and he don't know his way out. And yes, Job is in a situation where he cannot seem to find God. And we get Job has determined uh, several things in his life. And the first thing we see that he has determined is found in verse number 10 where he says in this passage of Scripture, but he knoweth the way that I take. And what Job literally is saying is, I may not be able to find God, but God knows right where I am. And when we can't see God, and when we can't feel God, and when we can't touch God, and we cannot seem to hear God, God knows right where we are. He never has forsaken His children, and never will He. Bible said he has not seen his seed begging bread, nor the righteous forsaken. And may I say to you, God's not going to start now, child of God. And so Job determines that though I can't see him, hear him, feel him, sense him, he knows right where I am. And it do us good tonight to come to that same conclusion. No matter what we're faced with in our lives, no matter what we're faced with today, whether it's family or whether it's finances or whether it's friends or whatever it be the case or job, may we just come to the place and say, I may not be able to see the hand of God and how He's going to bring me out, but I know one thing, He knows right where I am tonight. And He'll never leave me nor forsake me. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16 and verse number 9, For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth. God knows right where we are. Secondly, notice if you would in verse number 11 and verse number 12. The Bible tells us the, in our passage of Scripture, He says, My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept. Let me stop there, if I may, just for the sake of time tonight. Notice not only does Job conclude and determine that though he can't find God, hear God, see God, touch God, or hear from God, 
God knows where he is. But secondly, Job's just determined he's going to remain faithful no matter what. Notice in the passage of the scripture there in verse number 11, he said, my foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither, in verse number 12, have I gone back from uh, the commandment uh, of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my unnecessary food. And may may I say to you tonight, child of God, when you don't know which way to turn and you don't know where God is, just stay faithful and know that God knows who you are and keep on doing what you know know you're supposed to do. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 20 that a faithful man shall abound with blessings. I don't know about you, but I can use every blessing I can get my hands on, so I'm just going to stay faithful. Galatians 6 and 9, the Bible said, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Many young people that have gone through marital struggles and issues and financial struggles and family problems, the first thing many of them do is leave church and leave the house of God. My friend, that's the last place you ought to leave. The very place we need, the very things we need. When we go through trials, I've seen others that have forsaken church. They've forsaken the Bible. They've forsaken prayer. They've forsaken God. And my friend, church, prayer, and God is the number three things. It's the top three things, I should say, that we need in our trials. It's not the time to turn our back on God. We find in verse number 13, the Bible tells us, in this passage of Scripture, part of Job's determination, he said, but he, speaking of God, is in, in one mind. And who can turn him? And, and what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. And so he speaks of the omniscience, omniscience of God. But he is of one mind. God will do what God chooses and pleases to do. He is a sovereign God. Can the clay say to the potter, Why hast thou made me so? Can you imagine us going before God and saying, God, what would you do that for? I remember years ago as a young preacher boy hearing a well-known evangelist and pastor and preacher make this statement. He said, God has never said, uh-oh. Well, I didn't know that. you got to be kidding me. Really? Never. Now, that never takes God by surprise. He is omniscient. He is of one mind. And that's what Job is referring to. In the omniscience or the sovereignty of God, God will do what God will do. And no man can turn him. And notice what he said. He is of one mind. And the things, notice he said in verse number 14, the thing appointed for me. Do you know God has a divine will and purpose for every single child of God? It's part of God's or Job's determination. I can't see God, but God knows where I am. So I'm just going to stay faithful and I'm going to keep his words. I'm going to walk in his paths. And then Job concludes that God is omniscient and he's sovereign and he has a will and, and he has a divine purpose. And in his providence, he has something appointed. And Job said the thing appointed for me. And there are things in your life and my life that God has appointed for each of us. Have you ever noticed how some handle trials or certain things that we look at and we say, well, that's nothing. I've been through that. that I don't know why their suffering so deep for. But yet, 
God puts us through our own providential struggles and allows certain things to happen in our lives because God knows that's what we need. Therefore, they are appointed for us. And then we see in in, uh, verse number 13, he said, who can turn him? And again, we we find the, the sovereignty of God. We find that God will do what God will do. And so may I just say to you that God has promised to take us through our trials. In the book of Isaiah 43 and verse number two, he says, when thou passest, and notice this phrase, through the waters I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, uh, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. In Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And so the word through in our Bible, in the context of our scriptures, it literally uh, does not mean just that God will be with you in the middle of your trials. The word through literally means from beginning or entering into to the exiting out of. And so what it literally means is God's not just with us in the midst of our trials. He's with us going into the trial, going through the trial, and coming out the other end. May I say to you, my friend, Job has come to that conclusion. God in his providence and his sovereignty and his omnipotence has chosen to put me in this trial, but he hasn't forsaken me. He's with me in the midst of it, and I'm persuaded he'll be with me on the other end when I go out. So we find that last but not least, look with me briefly tonight. Job's deliverance. Notice, if you would, with me, please, in verse number 15. He says, Therefore I am troubled at his presence. When I consider I am afraid of him. Watch this. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Job's deliverance. I don't have time tonight to go through all of it, but when you begin to study your scriptures. The three friends that came and spoke, they all spoke in judgmental condemnation conversation toward Job. And then there's a young man by the name of Elihu. Elihu is the youngest of the four that came. The three condemned him, criticized him, was caustic toward Job. But Elihu was the young man And in chapter 32, if you want to turn your Bible there quickly, the book of Job, we find that it begins to speak. And in Job chapter 32 and verse number 1, so these three men ceased to answer Job because he was was righteous in his own eyes. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, and I'm not going to take time to read all the scripture tonight, but all the way through chapter, from chapter 32, all the way through chapter 37, Elihu speaks. He brings accusation on Job's three friends that have condemned him. And he addresses Job concerning the matter. And in essence, he speaks of Job's pride and his arrogance. Job had an issue with pride. And God is dealing with Job's pride. God is breaking Job. 
He is humbling Job. And the word humble in the Bible or humility literally means the ground or prostate. It is when one is taken as low as one can go. And God is taking Job and reducing him to humility so that Job will look up and realize that God is all in all and God in his sovereignty and providence has a purpose for the trials that Job's gone through. And so we find in the Scriptures... Notice in chapter number 38 with me quickly, and let me draw this to a conclusion tonight. In Job chapter 38, notice if you would please in verse number 1. Then the Lord answered Job. What we find is Elihu is still speaking in chapter 37 and verse number 24. And God divinely interrupts Elihu in chapter 38 and verse number 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answerest thou me? Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Boy, how'd you like for God to speak those words to you? And you haven't heard from him since chapter 1 of the book of Job. Heaven's been silent. God hasn't spoken. And when God does speak, he says, Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations there? Declare thou unto me, if you will. So we find, and I'll not take time to read all of it. Read it. It's a tremendous uh, passage of Scripture in chapter 40 and verse number 1. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? Why did God say that to Job? Remember, Job said, If I could find him, I'd fill my mouth with arguments. And God said, You have an argument, Job? Go ahead, spit them out. Where are they at? Where art thou that contendest with the Almighty? Notice what he says. He that reproveth God, let him answer. Boy, Job's in trouble. Verse number 3 of chapter 40, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I'm vile. What shall I answer thee? Let me just say God's deliverance in Job's life. We know and the scriptures that God blessed Job, he gave him twice as much as he had. Notice in chapter 42 and verse number 5. I'd ask the musicians to get ready for the invitation tonight and we'll close. If you'd please come to the instruments. Job chapter 42 and verse number 5. Job said, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust, uh, in dust and ashes. And chapter 42 and verse number 7. Notice if you would please, as you begin to read the scriptures, and, and I'll not take time to read all of it, but we find that Job began to pray for his friends, and God blessed Job and gave him twice as much as he had before. And notice the last verse of Job, chapter 42. It's the funeral text I preached at my dad's funeral. So Job died being old and full of days. It means in that passage of Scripture, he lived a full life and accomplished all that God wanted him to accomplish. Can I just say to you tonight, we learn from Job. Job said, oh, that I knew where I might find him. And Job said, now, I've heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now I've seen you. Where did Job see God? Where did he find him? 
Much like the three Hebrew children thrown in the fiery furnace. They threw the three in the fiery furnace. And the king said, didn't we throw three in the fiery furnace? And oh, there is a fourth and like unto the Son of God. And may I say to you tonight that Job found God. You know, he found him. He found him in the most unlikely place of his life. He found him right in the midst of his trials and his heartaches and his suffering. And he said, now I've seen God. God has revealed himself to me right in the middle of my trials and my troubles and my tribulation and my suffering. I've seen God now. I have personal experience with him and I've met him face to face. My friend, I say to you tonight, I don't know what your needs are, and I don't know where you are in your life, and I don't know what troubles, trials, heartaches, if there is even any in your life at this moment. But I know God laid this text on my heart tonight. Now I wonder if they have head bowed and every eye closed tonight as we get ready to extend the invitation. If you need to come and pray at an old-fashioned altar, why don't we take time to come and pray? Fathers, we bow before you tonight. We thank you for Job and for the example that he is to us. We thank you for the truths we find in his life. God, for what you've revealed throughout this holy, divine book. And I pray that you may help us to apply these principles to our life. Strengthen the child of God tonight, I pray. That is in the midst of their trials, in the midst of heartaches, and they don't know which way to turn. Help them, I pray, to turn to God, not from Him. To draw an hand to God that He may draw an hand to them. I plead and ask in Christ's name. Heads bowed and eyes closed tonight as summer coming. And ask Brother Ryan to come tonight and provide a song. If you need to come tonight, you come, please.